Greetings and salutations all. Hello again, I'm John Beck, founder and CEO of Ursus and your host today at Hiring University, AKA Hiring You. We're very lucky today to have Noah Wisnia with us. Noah is a head of talent or has been the head of talent at numerous startups in and around the San Francisco Bay Area. And Noah, uh, more so than a lot of other talent executives that I've run across over the last few years, really has a passion and understanding for how to marry technology and next generation best practices with the fundamentals of a good recruiting and hiring practice. Uh, so we'll spend some time with Noah today to talk about state of what's happening in the marketplace, some of the technologies that we think are coming around the corner to help the effort for both job seeker and talent hunter. And, uh, and then we'll spend a little time getting to know Noah a little better and hopefully through his own experience impart some knowledge for others out there that are on their career journey. So Noah, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where you've been and what you've done? John, you blow me away. That's a better intro than I think I can give myself, but appreciate it. I'll, I'll keep it short. I've had two major careers. Uh, I spent the first part of my career in product management. And like many job seekers, especially right now in the market, I found myself without the exact right skill for the skills that were in demand. So in my particular case, uh, about half a dozen years in, in engineering type, product type roles, and then didn't have any SaaS experience at a bad time not to have SaaS product experience. And had to ask myself, what do I really care about? What am I going to do at a time where there isn't a giant pandemic and layoff? And I have to explain mm -hmm. this pivot, you know, years down the road, or even right now to people. And, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this in the past. The story was that I would met a lot of bad recruiters along the way and, and had like, you know, difficult or unsavory experiences, but I'd met a few really fantastic ones, the ones that took the time to really nurture my understanding of what I didn't know. And so that big curiosity kind of turned me into a nerd for wanting to make process technology and kind of the relationship elements of recruiting all together. So I've got a great start at uh, a little company named Rocket Recruiting that's kind of gone through some evolutions over time, but then quickly realized, you know, I love telling this story and I love building brand and kind of penetrated further and further uh, through uh, a marketplace in recruiting 10 by 10 through uh, a VC, a small VC AI fund building some companies from the ground up. And then most recently before, you know, unfortunately they have affected our team as they have so many out there, uh, a company called Maker Sites, where I built everything from the ground up. So I think the, uh, the brass tacks of what I do today is really care and have compassion for both hiring teams and help them try to have the best practices for the candidates, those looking, those seeking, or those not sure what they do. I do a lot of coaching for free and a little bit now paid since I'm looking for work myself as well and try to just bring a deeper sense of more efficient, more thoughtful, and, and kind of next iteration of what it means to hire beyond just the job descriptions and the resumes. Right. And yeah. Where, where does the, you know, because so many companies have tried to create the, the panacea for, you know, for contingent or for staffing or human capital management, right? There's been a, just a myriad of companies that have tried, and they're all valuable and interesting. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's one one that's really done and it's probably not possible. But the question for you is, is where, where and, and by the way, I agree with your, your comment around there's just a lot of really average, if not poor recruiters, right? The barrier to entry is low. You know, a lot of them are paper pushers. It's really hard to distinguish. The ones that are good do have a process and they do leverage the tools. Where, where does the marriage between technology and tool set and a recruiter with a really good process intersect, right? Where, where does... Where do they get the benefits from one side or the other? Where, where does that shift? Do you understand my question? I do. I do. Uh, I, my brain's kind of reeling. Here, here's what I would say. 
we all come to recruiting as, as every recruiter has ever said, I didn't go to college to be a recruiter, which is, it's almost kind of a discredit to the specialization that the field has become. I agree. But we, we all have a job, whether it's the person right now that's delivering food, that's keeping us all safe, or the person that usually hates that job when it's not a critical time, or whether you elevate that to a VP who's doing a great job or a VP who's not motivated. And every recruiter and every step and stage in between in any other career, it is what you make it. <laughs> And it also is some of the circumstance by which you come to it. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was extremely fortunate to be shown what recruiting can be and to have a personal reason to want it to be better. And if I want a great candidate experience, I also have to have a great team, a great company, uh, or I need to put in place the things that enable a team that maybe is learning how to interview better or that's learning how to be more efficient with their messaging or their outreach or how to excite candidates, efficient with their own time, basically. We all have a very finite thing in time. Right. And I think, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna dishearten any recruiters out there. I think if you don't love your job, really consider why you're doing it because you do affect people and they do care. And that's something that's very personally important to me to try and bring to the field and the profession to help other recruiters see. The kind of to your question, the marriage of those things I think is, First, we have the reality, right? There is, there are job descriptions, there are resumes, we have to go through interviews and get to know people. Nobody has managed to crack, as far as I know, with any tools or software, a nut that, that instantaneously helps us know that this is a good pers person fit, people fit, or, or we call it culture or value add, depending on which of those terms you and your organization want to use. Uh, not you, but the proverbial, our audience. Understood. And um, so that's one element. And the other element is like, if you change the mechanisms and you don't tell the person coming through that as a job seeker, we're doing things very different. You don't set them up for success. You don't give them the prep. If you don't make them feel, like I say to people, as a part of the team before they ever are, what are you really doing to actually push the edge of the space? Mm -hmm. uh, the marriage of those things, I think, is in doing something that's true to your team and your culture, which is going to be a little bit of the same wheel and a little bit of, you know, your special tread on that tire difference. I think it's, it's in better communication up front and taking the time to, to put those systems and those buttons that you need to press in place as opposed to trying to scramble to build them as you need them or after you've already needed them to create good experience. And I think it's investing in relationships with the partners that build tools, not unlike yourself, right? And the things that you and, and Ursus uh, are looking to do with hiring you mm -hmm. uh, to really create an experience that, that you yourself would want to go through. That, that it, you know, we've all had that moment in our life, whether it was a job or whether it was uh, a personal relationship where we just felt over the moon, so excited, so thought after. And that experience is possible with a little bit of uh, templating and a lot of and a lot of personal thoughtfulness and, and the tools and systems I can rattle off a huge list of, they make those things more possible than they ever have been before. Our field over the last five years, really the bulk of my recruiting experience has kind of rocket shift and just exponentially grown in the number of tools, the number of VC investments, all kinds of things that defend that space. What are the things that hit on what you were looking for? <laughs> it's a little No, like no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, as I think about, you know, the best recruiters that, that we have and that I've worked with, they have a very well thought out and groomed process that they're continually looking to improve upon. Yeah. What technologies are out there today or, or coming, whether it's AI or whatever it is that you think will help excel? Because you're right, you don't want to disrupt the human elements, but you also want to find ways to drive efficiency and take tasks 
that can be done, right? What, what's coming around the corner? Or what's here today that we should be thinking about as an industry? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think you kind of stated it, right? It's a good process where the things that kind of the very, very high level of this, the things that are very manual become automatic, but they're, they're purpose built for recruiting because recruiting is a unique workflow. We used to use sales type tools and marketing type tools, and now we have purpose built tools. Uh, I'll give a couple examples, you know, Mixmac, great product, email automation, drip campaigns, but doesn't always, in my opinion, integrate the best with ATSs because it's not built for recruiters. And I wouldn't expect them to go after that market until it was the place their business went. But Trinsley is a great tool, little team out of New York that I found that does the same thing. Now, lots of other tools can do email automation. We've, we've all heard of MailChimp and, yeah. and you know, what's the other one? Campaign Monitor, right? And, and, and I think what's happened is the specialization of tools where a recruiter's workflow to identify who you're looking for, to directly send them a message, but then to have automatic follow-up that you've written thoughtful content. Maybe you throw some emojis, maybe you throw some gifts. You're trying to make people smile. You're trying to build personal relationships at scale. There's nothing wrong with that so long as you have a good intention at the end, which is to see that person through. You're really using their time wisely, et cetera. So I think like... Messaging automation is one component. Another component, you mentioned the AI piece, right? I have a touch of experience there. I know some really cool folks at a company called Danae, D-N-N-A-E, really small operation, and another couple of cool folks over at a company called Team.ai. These are very, very early products, so don't everybody rush out, try to get on their list because they're probably gonna say no, we're not doing that right now. But the benefit of, of injecting yourself into giving feedback to these teams as I've, I've tried to be an expert in doing and try to be a thought leader in doing is you can help them see where even their automation, where they have a, a completely seamless interview experience that kind of guides the interviewer and the candidate at the same time, as opposed to having to read off a list or bring the resume or print things. It's just all presented in one single place and all the information goes back to a single place. Or another example across these teams that I've mentioned in these tools, they enable you at the press of a button to say, here's my job description. Here are some ideal candidates my hiring manager or my, my champion or my stakeholder has already said uh, I'm looking for. And then they'll go look across the network, right? Google, LinkedIn, call it what you will. And they'll bring back a relative score, a data component that lets you be more quantifiable about how you're saying this is a good fit. Right. So somebody you might traditionally say no to, maybe mm. as a human, you missed something. Yeah. And so the automation piece, while it may be not doing a human's job, right? When we think about automation and, and AI, me saying those things are that is, is a far cry from the truth. Right. Uh, but they're taking the steps necessary to take the lower level tasks that we as recruiters or as hiring managers or as interviewers dislike. They're 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 stodgy, they're slow, they they take time away from the things that you're trying to get done. And so that's where I see the industry continuing to go is continue to take bites and chunks of the, the things that can be consistently done, but thoughtfully done and allow a machine, which is very good at doing that to do those pieces. And then I think there's another layer of this, which is bringing the human in only at the time the human's necessary. So when the recruiter or the hiring manager needs to look at or touch uh, a, a candidate or a process, the, the systems and tools we put in place, they help us get there, right? That's a good tool. That's a tool that says, I got this cover for you. You go do what you got to do. And then says, oh, oh, something's not right. Come on back. And we can do a lot of that through snoozing emails and through setting reminders. But what if the tools do those things for you? 
you know, there's other products out there. I've got a good friend over at Zor. They're doing some really interesting things in the, the more um, on demand, like uh, chat messaging for applicants. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, there's a, there's a broad space here that's really, really begun to develop. And I don't think there's anything terribly new as a wheel. We're taking things we've learned from other uh, industries, like I said earlier, sales, marketing, et cetera. We're bringing them into recruiting and, and making those wheels really purpose built for our cause. And at the end of the day, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you have to spend money, yeah. right? Do this well. But I ask people that are in that seat or that are trying to, to justify that seat to take a step back and say, what is spending this money now get me in terms of return on investment a year from now at the end of using this thing that we would have missed or we would have had to hire somebody else or we would have just dropped the ball on before? You know, what's that, that intangible cost, that thing that's hard to equate that you sit down and try and do the math? Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's, that's the way to deconstruct it. And let's take that theme and now apply it to what's happening today out for the, the, the job seeker looking for their next opportunity in, in the midst of a, of a pandemic. You know, number one, what are you seeing out there and what's your, what's your personal barometer telling you these days? And number two, as a job seeker, how can I deconstruct sharing what you just shared with me, how a recruiter's thinking about it, which is, by the way, what I tell job seekers all the time. Think like you would as a recruiter. First yeah. of all, most of them are lazy. Most of them are going to pattern match. Most of them are looking for specific keywords and information that if you don't have it, you're not even going to get through the first pass. Um, tell me what you think is going on out there. What I, am I seeing? So as mentioned at the beginning, I am presently a job seeker, not by choice, by COVID. And what I am seeing is, is a, really, a really good banding together with the recruiting community, which can sometimes be a little feast or famine of how they support each other. And that's very good for candidates for a plain and simple reason that being thoughtful about your ask to say, hey, if this job wasn't for me, do you know anybody else that's hiring? I am looking for and excited about things like X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. That's a way that you as a job seeker can cut through a lot of the fact that there are a lot of very, very qualified, far better than me, candidates in the, in the fields that we're all trying to get jobs in. Mm -hmm. And the reality is there are a lot of jobs out there, but they are harder to find. And the processes are moving slower, which is a little scary to think because at least Silicon Valley style or startup tech type Hiring has been very motivated to move faster and faster, getting below a 30-day period to hire somebody. And now we're really seeing that stretch out. So you have a call today. Don't expect to hear anything from most people for maybe a couple more weeks unless you blew the doors off. And even then, they're just getting through a huge volume of people asking for their attention. Yeah. And, and these are great people. And so, you know, for me, I've, I've been rejected from roles that I thought I was great for. And my job is being great at qualifying candidates. And I'm pretty good at qualifying myself into a role. For job seekers, I think you need to be thoughtful, you need to be persistent, and you need to get beyond pressing the apply button. But keep in mind, that usually means finding somebody's email, writing them something short, impactful, and thoughtful. And, and there's tons and tons of tools out there. You can go to Clearbit to find company emails. Hire tool does some stuff for free. Gem does this as well. These are all really amazing tools that have freemium models, right? And you as a job seeker, as John, you said, you can put yourself in the mindset of the person who you're messaging. If you were them, what would you want to see, right? You don't want it to take you all day. You want it to feel like you really genuinely, there's care of why you're sending them this message. And you want to respect that they're probably not going to get back to you. So a patient, kind, and consistent follow-up 
every couple of weeks, just touching base. Hey, I read about your company. There's this really compelling article about what's happening in hiring that I read, right? It's all hitting our news feeds. Maybe this isn't applicable to somebody's field that's a listener out there. So I would say, take what I said and try and and, and, and treat it like, you know, teaching you how to fish, not giving you the fish. Right. What did I say that applies to your field or your role that can resonate with what you're trying to do as a job seeker? Yeah. One thing I would tell everybody listening, and this is something I tell job seekers, seekers and hiring managers all the time, and it's apropos because my last company served retail and apparel, hence why we had the layoffs. But one thing I tell people is, you know, a job has a set of clothes. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's a, a fitted suit. Maybe it's your casual work at home wear. Maybe it's something else. But this is an analogy, right? And and if that is not the set of clothes that is just intrinsically who you are, you're not a fit for the job. And that's not a discredit to you as a person. It's not a discredit to you. Value your skills. And and psychologically, it can get tough hearing no, no, no. These clothes don't fit you. Job after job after job. What I tell people is look for the signal in that. What are you hearing consistently? Are you being consistent about your search? And then take away like, look, these are things that I can be better about using as leverage or as knowledge to make my search more effective for me, waste less people's time who I'm not qualified to talk to or not qualified for a role, qualify myself better for jobs and ultimately be more efficient with your time means be more efficient with who you're working with time. It gives you more time to dedicate to building a relationship. And at the end of the day, all hires are based on relationship, even if there's a qualification. Yeah. We want to know that this person, we can trust them to do a thing. Yeah, fair enough. And, and let me let me just make sure for our listeners, when I say recruiters are lazy, I'm saying yeah. I'm stereotyping, first of all. I think most most recruiters are going to try to pattern match, and, and hiring managers too. Uh, yeah. It's very rare, and it's what we look for when we bring people into our business, for somebody that has enough intellectual curiosity to take the extra step, to pull back an extra layer, to see if there's something there that may not be obvious on the resume. That being said, I agree and like the, the, the close analogy and, and what I encourage job seekers to do is if you know and can understand what the wardrobe is, then present the wardrobe, right? Especially if you have it, you know, yeah. somebody that you know, has a bunch of pair of pants in the closet and can wear them and keeps showing up selling shorts, <laughs> be smart about that. So I, I, I like it and I'm, I'm going to borrow it. Um, let's, let's shift gears with the time that we have left. I want to ask you a couple questions about job or candidate behaviors, and then we'll ask you a couple questions about yourself. So a few quick ones for you. We call this pre and post pandemic behaviors. Do you think now versus 60 days ago, there'll be more or less ghosting of jobs specifically for contractors? Ooh. Man, that is a tricky question. I'm going to go with... Let me let me clarify that question. Are you asking from the job seeker or the the employer side? Oh uh, well, that's wow. I didn't even think about that from the employer side. I'm talking about the job seeker. So for those listening, a ghosting of a job is you've accepted an offer, you're supposed to show up for work, and you just disappear or don't even bother to send an email or a text, let alone pick up the phone call and or pick up the phone and explain why you're not going to show up for the job. And it happens more frequently than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, I think people are, are really uncertain about longevity. My opinion, and I could be very wrong about this, is longevity is going to be everybody's goal, something that's safer and more secure and more stable. And so I, I do worry that ghosting will actually increase. We actually went through a great period over the last year or so where it seemed to be kind of disappearing as a behavior. And it, it, it's a nasty behavior. I, I cannot- Don't do it for those of you at home. Don't, don't do ever. it. You call, you tell them you're really sorry, you say look something else. People understand life, but they don't understand when you just shut them down. 
Yeah. It's just not the right attitude. So I think there'll be more of it, sadly, because people will get another opportunity uh, or, or they'll be scared that something isn't going to last. And so they'll decide to invest in looking for something that's longer term. Yep. Next question. Do you think that the caliber of beer on tap and quality of ping pong table will be as important for job seekers now than it was 60 days ago? Not at all. Uh-uh. No. Uh, one, beer on tap is now stale inside of everybody's office. For those that can't or, or are, are self-quarantining, those that are forced to go in, they're just worried about staying safe. They're going to emphasize things like healthcare and intentionality and communication, which is, you know, behind the scenes, really what was pushing and pulling people in and out. We just layered a lot of stuff on top and kind of made the table kind of messy to see what the truth of the matter was, really. Yeah, I, I bring the question up because we have had candidates that have used that as part of their decision-making criteria. Yeah. I Back to your point of you got to do what you love and what's best for you. We had one candidate uh, that had two, he was really talented software developer, and he had an opportunity with one of the driving automation companies which we were representing, and then one of the vaping cigarette companies. And we asked him, and he had small kids, and we said, you know, how, he, I think he had brought it up in conversation that he was conflicted because he didn't want to go work for a company that he really didn't believe in their charter, but they were offering more money. And, you know, despite our, you know, our, our warnings and counsel to him to say, look, it, it, it may sound like the right decision now, it's going to eat at you. If there's, you're selling your soul for something you don't believe in. Versus the company that you're really excited about that you can go out and tell your eight-year-old kid what you're doing. And so I think the money sometimes gets in the way of where people's true passions and energy lie. And it's true now, it's true 60 days ago, it'll be true in the future. And, and I think yeah. that's an important well, which, you know, Which job is going to serve you best? The job that you burn out in a year, maybe two, or the job, but maybe you make a little less, but you're happy, you're content, you can go home with peace of mind and you've been there four years, which I know it sounds crazy to say somebody's been at a company for four years. But again, one of my hopes is that at the other side of this, we see a little bit more dedication to, to staying in building and value of good quality culture and, and raising that bar of, of working with people who you get along with. Yeah. No, there, there, there's no question. So in that vein, let me ask you, if you could, if I said, Noah, I've, 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 I have the Wayback Machine, it works. We can put you in it and take you back to the point where you first started your career and take all the things that you know about yourself and the experience that you have. What do you tell yourself to that kid who was first starting his career that you know now? Ooh, that's a great one. So I use an, another analogy with job seekers all the time. Your job is, is not to get a job. Uh, because ideally you have a job and you're happy and you don't really flex those muscles, right? You don't exercise the practice of writing a resume and applying and reaching out and being patient in the, the course of not understanding anything that's happening on the decision side of the job and going through rigorous interviews and being stressed that you didn't do a good job. Like that's not something that we all typically go through. Now a lot of us all of a sudden have to. And so that's changed. So going way back, what I would tell myself is to practice those muscles more regularly, like stretch and flex and be more, more welcoming or inviting. Get involved in interview processes even earlier as a part of the hiring. Ask difficult questions of the hiring team to make sure that we're doing our best to make sure that we find the best people. Couple last questions, quick questions for you with the time that we have left. And we'll, we'll do this in kind of a shutdown uh, format. So I've just gotten funds for you to put a billboard up on the 101 North, but it has to be about you and say something about you. What does it say? It cares more about quality 
of people than anyone else. What's the best compliment you've ever received? <laughs> it's posted on LinkedIn. You can find it. Somebody told me the other day, Noah, you're literally a human expletive. Trello, uh -huh. 15 minutes with you is all I need to get my entire life in order. Uh, I'm going to cut it through the fat. It's basically what they said. Tell me something that you believe is true about yourself that almost nobody else believes is true about you. Ooh. I'm actually great in a crisis. <laughs> well, and, if I mean, you ask anybody, and if you ask anybody I've been talking to for the last couple of weeks, I think that they'll back me up on that one now, but they might not have before. Well, you're living it. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> the, proof is, the proof is now. So I've grilled you for the last 25 minutes or so. If you have one question you want to ask me, what is it? What is the most important thing to you and your field on the other side of COVID? What do we learn from this as, as, a, as a society? What do we, what, you know, take it how you will, but what do we stop doing? What do we start doing? Like what major one thing needs to change from what we're seeing and learning now? I'll give you my answer as a business owner in staffing, and then I'll give you my answer as a, as a member of the planet. The, as a staffing owner, I really am pleased to see that the conversation is starting to happen around flexibility of in-office versus remote. I think this is something that is long overdue. There are obviously a lot of jobs where that's not possible, but for those that are possible, all the excuses of the technology doesn't exist. It does. We're, we're proving it out right now that you yeah. can't manage effectively. That's ridiculous. People have, you know, KPIs and, you know, and most importantly for the productivity of the worker, which by the way, every study that you've ever read will tell you that a healthier and happier employee is a more productive employee. And the fact that we have every day people crisscrossing the country in cars and trains and planes in some cases to go sit at a desk and do the work is ridiculous, which leads me into my answer about being a, a member of the planet. The environmental impact is massive and our opportunity here to be aware of that and to make a difference is monumental. And so while this is a challenging, difficult time, like we all acknowledge, I think the opportunity for us to look at the pause and what, the, what it's resulted in and maybe think and reconstruct things differently and not just assume that the way we've been doing things for decades is the right way is yeah. where the hope lies. And so that to me is, is really, really encouraging, but we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out and, and if we can get there or not. But I think it's, it's not old guys like me, it's young guys like you or younger guys like you that are going to continue to drive that agenda and make that thing and make it happen. So time will tell. Yeah. So as we wrap up, tell people where they can find you and contact you. And clearly you have, and we got to maybe just a fraction of it, a lot of things that you're doing just for out of the, the goodness and your interest and obviously as a job seeker. And by the way, I don't think you're going to last on the market very long. Tell, my interviewers. <laughs> yeah. Tell the folks where they can find you and get in contact with you. Yeah. I am the only Noah Wisnia. So N O A H W I S N I A on the planet. So linkedin.com forward slash I N forward slash Noah Wisnia. That is a great place to reach me. Anybody can connect with me. Please, if you're going to connect, send a message on why you're connecting. I do not accept blind requests unless I see an opportunity to create value for somebody. And, and if I get a lot of these, I can't keep up with them all. So send me a, a thoughtful, short couple sentences note on why you're reaching out, what you're looking for. If you need help in your job seeking, if you have more questions about something I said, or just need somebody to vent to a little bit about your experience. I don't care in what field you come from. Uh, I'm more than happy to listen and, and give some thoughtful perspective. 
Awesome. Noah, thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you for your insights uh, and your passion. And we'd love to have you on, um, you know, a couple months from now when we've all come out of our caves and safe in the water and compare notes and see if we got any of it right. And uh, be safe, be well. And for those listening, thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. Take care.